Today's big question. Where were you on 9-11? I was five years old on 9-11. I was in kindergarten. I remember the teachers making us get under our desks, and they wouldn't let us leave the room. Then I remember all the parents, including my mom, frantically coming to pick all of us up. My mom took me home in our minivan, and I wasn't sure what happened. I do remember sitting in the living room in front of our TV and watching a replay of the plane hitting the tower. I don't remember which plane or which tower. The rest of the day is a blur. But I do remember there being more American flags flying the next day. They were everywhere. The Disney Channel stars were talking about what it means to be an American, and adults were crying when they were saying the pledge. I understand more each year on the anniversary of 9-11 the gravity of what really happened. This year, with the focus on Afghanistan, I understand even more. But I'm realizing that many of my peers don't actually remember 9-11. They were too young, or they were shielded from the tragedy by the adults around them. Today, I want to very simply tell you what happened on September 11th, and what it meant then, and what it means today to be an American. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I am Michaela, and I'm here to give you your compassionate, conservative argument to America's most debated questions. Also, I'm your host, forgot to say that, and I'm here in the studio with our producer, Cha. Hey. We are in the Shamrock studio powered by Shamrock Media Solutions, and we are loving it. And today we were going to talk about something else, actually. Yeah. I had a totally different thing planned, and <laughs> when I sat down today, I felt really strongly that I wanted to talk about 9-11. Yeah. So... I want to start all of this by reading something that Cha wrote, actually. Mm -hmm. And we have it posted on the Something Burger page. This is something that Cha sent me. I was actually out of town on 9-11, and she texted it to me. And I said, put that on the Something Burger page, like, right now. This is so good. And I want to read you something that Cha wrote, and then she can give you a little bit about what it was about while you wrote it. But this is something that she wrote and she posted this year on September 11th. Okay, here we go. We have forgotten. We had peace. Oh yes, before you preach about COVID and voter suppression and an attack on personness and pronouns, let me say again, we had peace. Had. In 1999, President Bill Clinton said, we are keeping a close watch on the situation in the Middle East, but families should go about life as usual. Holiday rush, spring break, summer vacation, life was on the move for Americans. Technology and industry were booming. Any semblance of international fight or war being in Americans' rear view for at least 10 years. We were complacent, safe, unsupposing, and unaware. 20 years ago, the fight was brought, not to our doorstep, but straight into the living room. 20 years ago, the security blanket of national safety was tossed aside. 20 years ago, a truly heinous, senseless, antagonistic act was carried out against America. We had a national crisis that resulted in, for the most part, national unity. People say we were united in our anger. 
People say we were united in our sorrow and weeping for our citizens. People say we were united in our want for vengeance. People say we were united under the cause to eradicate the terror across the globe. Although these things are likely true, I think that there is another, beautiful way we were united. I say we were united in our collective understanding that in this world there will be trouble. On Tuesday, September 11, 2001, America's collective consciousness of mortality was rocked to our core. Our differences didn't matter anymore. Our backgrounds didn't matter anymore. Our political affiliation didn't matter anymore. Our job title didn't matter anymore. Where we lived didn't matter anymore. None of those things mattered. But life mattered. There's a funny thing about loss. It oftentimes reminds us not to sweat the small stuff. That we often get so caught up in our own lives that we forget to value what's around us. Until we're yanked back down from the self-serving cloud we live on, we forget. We have forgotten that there are 2,977 reasons why we shouldn't be letting trivial differences divide us. We've forgotten that freedom has been fought for every single day. We have forgotten that we have the privilege to argue about highbrow theory and whether or not we actually trust science anymore while our citizens and other diplomatic foreign allies fight for us to have the freedom to do so, so that we don't have another instance like 9-11. It's not that the world just got more peaceful. In fact, I think the opposite. In the last year, we've let a handful of people put the last nail in the coffin of division in America. In the last couple of weeks, we've emboldened the same terrorist organization that 20 years ago we pledged to defeat. In the last couple of weeks, the leaders of this great nation said he was relying on negotiating with the leaders of that same terror organization and was surprised when they were uncompromising and now have U.S. citizens and allies held hostage for ransom. The actions that we have been taking the last year certainly do not point to a nation who remembers. Remembers how lucky to be alive we felt that we just hugged random people in the grocery store that day. Remembers that life is a gift from God. Remembers how many people stepped up to the call of their country in the days following the attacks. Remembers how many men and women defend freedom every single day and have for 20 years. Remembers how many women and children relied on the U.S. and the Middle East to have a semblance of a normal life. There is one thing that I know for sure. Evil will always be a factor. Darkness is always lurking. We need to remember to fight for light, the good. When we forget, the darkness creeps in, evil chokes out the light, convinces you that good is a mirage, unachievable, naive. That is a lie. Today we remember and honor those who were taken in the attacks on 9-11. We remember the 110 floors and 2,071 steps of each tower that hold the precious last moments of so many brave people. We remember the brave men and women who aboard flight 93, took the fight into their own hands. The innocent lives who were aboard AA-11, AA-77, and UA-175, and all those who were affected at the Pentagon. Today we remember all the lives that were altered that day. But tomorrow, let's not forget. Let's fight for goodness and understanding, for love and for life. So that was written by producer Cha. So not only is she a brilliant sound engineer she's also, and a brilliant speaker, she's also a brilliant <laughs> writer and pretty all oh, at the same wow. time. 
So <laughs> I, I love that, Shaw. I think we could basically end the episode here if we had to. <laughs> Do you, you were telling me before the show why you wrote this. Do yeah. you want to tell us? Yeah, I, I was watching, um, there's a really awesome documentary on Netflix right now um, that is about 9-11. <clears throat> and um, it actually... Uh, my husband and I were just like, oh, you know, I've, I've heard about this um, doc and it's almost 9-11. So I just want to watch it. I think it's it's nice to sort of remember. And we did. And as I was um, we were watching, it's a five episode uh, miniseries, about an hour long episode each. Um, I learned a lot that I maybe mm. didn't know. Um, but then I also was very much reminded about you know, and, and on the heels of what's happened in Afghanistan and right. just over the last two years that we've had in this country, just how precious um, life is and mm-hmm. how fragile kind of world relations are in general. Um, but it was just reminding me that uh, we have really forgotten. Like like you yeah. said in the, in the beginning is, mm. yeah, most people around us have really forgotten. Which is why I wanted to do this episode today because... I think that a lot of young people don't know what happened on 9-11. They might have a general sense that something terrible happened and maybe they've seen the video of the towers. Yeah, but it seems far off for our generation. It does. Much like the war in the Middle East. We're about the oldest for the people who might remember something. You know, the five and six year olds. I was born in 96. When were you born? In 95. 95. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't remember if you were 95 or 96, but so I think we, our age group has a chance at remembering, but then right underneath us, I was talking to somebody today who's uh, 23 and he was like, oh no, I don't remember anything. And I at least have a little bit of a blurry image of where I was. Like I said, I was in kindergarten. We had to get under the desks. I was for context at a school in Florida, which is where the, the president was also at a school in Florida. We were not at the same school, but some people were saying they didn't have to get under a desk or do any kind of lockdown procedures. I wonder if it's because the president was in Florida right. that we were doing that. Right. I don't know. That would make sense. I, mean, I don't know. I, but I remember my mom coming to get me and I remember the feeling and I remember watching it on the TV. And at that age, it's hard to differentiate what's real and what's a movie even. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. remember seeing it and yeah. I remember watching the adults watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I was. And we're some of the last people that have a story of where were you on 9-11, which is why that's what this is called. Because some people weren't even on this earth yet and have no concept. Do you remember where you were on 9-11? Yeah, I was at school, much like you were and our our age kids. Um, Kindergarten. um, No, I was in first grade. First grade. Yeah. And my brother's in second grade in the same school. Um, We were... Actually, I was at recess... Uh, now I obviously didn't know this then right I was at recess in the moments that the first tower was hit okay so by the time we had like recess and and lunch and recess were kind of the same so we were ushered all back inside Mm -hmm. um because I mean I lived in uh, South Carolina at the time um and it seems silly now but then i think everyone across the nation was like uh, you know hunker down like we don't know what the heck's going on um so we were all ushered inside very quickly um and i remember in the hallway now this was knowing this now something had already happened a bunch of teachers were freaking out and i remember my um english teacher at the time an, an English teacher I knew, rather. Okay. She wasn't mine. Um, so say you had a specific English teacher? No, an English teacher. She she taught fourth and fifth grade. Okay. But I knew her. We've our family knew her. Miss um, mm-hmm. Lovelet. 
she came out in the hallway. I was going down her hallway. We all, you know, file, single file, mm-hmm. whatever. She came out. She she screamed to another teacher, not at any of this, like, um, we're under attack. We're under attack. Oh, my God. And then they all started kind of freaking out. I remember that. Now, all the other conversations have followed. I don't really remember. Now, I remember sitting in our classroom and about four teachers in my classroom kind of huddled in our room and they mm. turned on the news on the TV. So I distinctly remember this seeing on the news what was the happening? smoke coming out of the the, um, the towers after yeah. his hit and everything. Um, I was I was in transit home. We were all sent home early. Yeah. So I was in transit home probably over the next couple of hours that all the rest um, transpired except I was home within minutes or just before or just after the Pentagon okay um and my my See, i don't have any memory of the pentagon i know really? i mean I, yeah. I know it happened but um and the only reason i know that people are like how do you know that you're so young because when i got home um my dad was very like kind of shaken i don't know like not upset my dad's like a military dude so like upset like what does that mean for a military dude but my mom was crying very upset and they were talking about the pentagon and that what was happening they didn't really know they were mm-hmm. watching the news on uh, on the couch so yeah 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 so what we're gonna do is we're going to walk you through what happened on september 11th and i want to say before we begin that if you know a young person in your life i would encourage you to share this with them we're going to try to very simply and comprehensively take you through what happened that day and i think this i know this is an important story and if you have a young person that you love or even just like a little bit, <laughs> please share this with them. That would be very important to us. This episode is really designed for those people. Of course, we're all, we all benefit by remembering and retelling this story every year as much as we can. But specifically, please share this with a young person. So what I'm about to tell you is the story of that day, just September 11th, 2001, The information that I'm about to give you is a compilation from multiple sources. It's from History.com, the Heritage Foundation, Encyclopedia Britannica, actually, and 911memorial.org, which is a wonderful website. There was a few others that got thrown in there, but that's where the bulk of this is from. And I'm going to take you through chronologically a timeline of what happened. And the timeline comes mostly from 911memorial.org. It's a comprehensive, wonderful timeline. I highly encourage you to look at it. There's way more information than I can even include here. So, to begin, it was 5.45 a.m. on September 11, 2001. 19 Al-Qaeda terrorists boarded four domestic flights at three different East Coast airports. At this point, you could board a plane with a four-inch blade knife. Which is absolutely crazy to think now. right and, <laughs> and then it, you yeah. could so that was at 5 45 it's 6 a.m in new york polling stations opened for new york city primary elections which i never knew that it's 7 59 american airlines flight 11 took off from boston with 76 passengers 11 crew members and five hijackers at 8 15 united airlines flight 175 took off from Boston heading to LA. There were nine crew members, 51 passengers, five hijackers. Pretty quickly, the crew of Flight 11 knew that something was wrong. We're going to play a brief cut 
from National Geographic from one of the airline stewardesses when she realized that something was wrong in the plane. Hello, my name is Betty Ong. I'm number three in the back. Um, the cockpit's not answering. Somebody stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I don't know. I think we're getting high dead. Which flight is you on? I'm number three on flight 11. Okay, you're the flight attendant? Yes. And the cockpit is not answering their phone. So in case you couldn't understand what was going on, the flight attendant is saying that the pilot has been stabbed and they can't get into the cockpit and they can't get hold of anybody in the cockpit. So one minute later, after that, Flight 77 took off from Washington Dulles with six crew members, 53 passengers, and five hijackers. One of the Flight 11 hijackers was not only evil, but incredibly stupid. He was meaning to speak to the people on board, but he pressed the wrong button, and he broadcasted to air traffic control. Then he accidentally transmitted to ground control. And the pilot of Flight 175, his name was Victor, he heard it right before his own plane was hijacked. Around 8.30, people began working at the Trade Center in New York City. Around 8.42, United Airlines Flight 93 left Newark, heading for San Francisco, They were supposed to leave earlier, but there was a delay that day due to routine air traffic. There were seven crew members, 33 passengers, and four hijackers. Minutes later, right after Flight 93 had taken off, Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Everyone on board instantly died. The plane destroyed emergency stairwells, so everyone above the 91st floor was trapped. Within the minute of the attack, the first responders had mobilized. Fire trucks were screeching down 7th Avenue in New York City. They attempted to save anyone that they could in the North Tower. First responders ran literally straight into the collapsing building. That was the North Tower of the World Trade Center. At 8.50 a.m., President George W. Bush was alerted of the attacks while at a school in Sarasota, Florida. At this point, it could have still been a terrible accident and they didn't know. This is one of the most powerful videos to me from all of uh, 9-11 footage was when they whisper in the president's Mm -hmm. ear and he's reading to children at a school and his face. Yeah. His face is like, oh my gosh. And I found out he actually stays and finishes reading to the kids. So mm-hmm. he doesn't want to alert them. And actually news start to come in. And he's like, we're going to talk about that later because he was with children. Right. And that wasn't a good time to start yeah. that. And actually he was told that there was an accident. And but right before he started. Um, to read to the to kids. Read, he was like, there's, there's They're doing an English lesson. Yeah, there, there's been an accident in uh, with the World Trade Center. Seem, and they, they thought the his... Um, I believe it was chief of staff said it, we believe that a Cessna plane, a small mm-hmm. plane has, um, flew into the towers in uh. New York and he was like, all right, that's really sad, but we'll handle it later. And then the, what, what his chief of staff, I believe that's who it was who told him, mm-hmm. whispered in his ear, just said, we are under attack. Yeah. And then that's so, wow. It's a little thing I learned from that. Doc. So again, that was eight fifty. The first time the president was alerted of the first plane flying into the first tower. 
I had never heard this part before. Maybe you had, Cha, but after the first attack, the South Tower of the World Trade Center. Now, again, for anyone who doesn't know, maybe they've never seen, there are two towers, North and South Tower, when they're talking about the Trade Center and they're talking about 9-11. Both towers were attacked. At this point, only the North Tower had been attacked. The South Tower is right there next to it. I'd never heard this before, but after the attack, the South Tower of the World Trade Center was declared secure by an employee of Port Authority Fire Safety. Yeah. They told the people to not evacuate and to return to their offices. But then within minutes of that, the Port Authority Police Department ordered an evacuation of both towers and all citizens in the World Trade Center complex. So mm-hmm. if you can put yourself in the mind of somebody in the South Tower, you might have already been evacuating. You were told to go back and then you're told to go back again. And then on flight... 175, a flight attendant reached a United Airlines operator in San Francisco to say that the plane had been hijacked. And at this point on flight 175, people were already calling their families to say goodbye. There's a lot of tragic footage or recordings of that. We're going to play some of that later. At 9.02, there was evacuation orders broadcasted in the South Tower. This is at 9.02 a.m. They say everyone in the South Tower needs to get out. At 9.03 a.m., the plane hit the South Tower within a minute of the evacuation order. Wow. So Flight 175 hit the South Tower of the World Trade Center at 9.03 a.m. And at this point, people began jumping from buildings to their deaths because they didn't know how else to get out. After this, the president gave a speech from the library of the school in Sarasota where he had been reading to children, and he promised that we were going to hunt these terrorists down And as we put the pieces together way after 9-11, well, not way after, after 9-11, we traced the evil plot back to Osama bin Laden. And Osama bin Laden believed that the U.S. had become weak. He even called the U.S. a paper tiger very famously. But in 2011, bin Laden was shot by a U.S. Navy SEAL. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I skipped forward, but back to the story. So... 902, the South Tower has fallen. 937. Well, 902. I'm sorry, 903, the South Tower has fallen. Well, hit with the plane. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Everyone, I'm confusing you. 902, they were evacuated. They said evacuate the South Tower. 903, the plane hit. The tower is still standing. The plane has hit Both towers are still standing. Both towers are still standing, but they have had a plane fly into the middle of them. Right. But they are still standing. So at 930, thank you, Cha. At 937, Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon. Yeah. Everyone on board died, as well as 125 civilians and military personnel. It goes without saying, as I named the numbers of people and crew of the flights that have already flown in to the North and South Tower, those people have died as well, of course. Right. So at that point, three flights worth of people have been killed, as well as 125 civilians and military personnel in the Pentagon. Then, the Federal Aviation Administration ordered every plane in the U.S. to land, and evacuations began in Washington, D.C., which seemed like a likely target. One plane that has hijackers on it is still flying at this point, Flight 93. All other planes have hit their targets, and they have killed everybody on the plane as well as the civilians around. North and South Tower are still standing at this point, but many people have already died. Flight 93 is still flying. One passenger 
who knew that they had been hijacked was hiding in a bathroom and calling 911 and they were actually flying low enough that they got through to 911 and multiple other passengers were calling their loved ones. Then at 9.59, the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed. 800 civilians and first responders are killed instantly in that collapse. The people of Flight 93, still flying, at this point, decide they're going to fight back. There were 13 passengers who made a total of 37 phone calls, and they realized what was going on. They understood that we were under attack, and this was part of a coordinated effort. They took a vote. And they decided to storm the cockpit. They landed. Well, no, they did not land. They crashed the plane in western Pennsylvania in Shanksville, which is only 28 minutes of flying time. Oh, actually, it might be 18. It's within 30 minutes of flying time to D.C. So the, the people of Flight 93, knowing likely that they were heading for an important target, yeah, crashed the plane within 30 minutes of Washington, D.C. And the recording of that is unreal. They run to the cockpit knowing they're going to die and knowing that maybe they could prevent more, more, more tragedy. And they didn't want these people to win. And they, the people of Flight 93 l- crashing in Shanksville is one of the most amazing and terrible stories. Of the Oh, my gosh. I can't even. But they... They took that plane down, and that plane did not crash into what they thought was going to aim for the Capitol building. That was the assumption. Somewhere right. in D.C., obviously. Right. And it that did the not. White House. And the Flight 93 did not allow that. The people, the Americans on Flight 93, stopped it. Yeah. Unreal. Not long after the people of Flight 93 valiantly gave their lives, the North Tower collapsed, and 1,600 people were killed. Whew. That evening later... Seven World Trade Center collapsed, but luckily at this point, there were no casualties. Everybody was already gone. Mm. And that's essentially what went down on 9-11. Yeah. Were you able to track that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you know, but it's a little confusing because of the two towers, the the Pentagon, the times and the different flights and the flight numbers. But basically, it's it was four planes and four targets. Three of those targets were hit. One of those targets, the people of Flight 93 were able to take down without hitting the target. The three targets that were hit were the North and South Tower of the World Trade Center and the Pentagon Building. And we're talking thousands of deaths at this point. Yep. And so I want to play a compilation. This was actually made by TSA. And it is an audio documentary it's about four minutes long we're going to play the whole thing that takes you through audio wise through the the personnel the like flight coordinators the stewardesses the phone calls it takes you through slightly chronologically what happened on 9-11 through the people this are these are real people this is their real phone calls this is the real communication with I'm calling them ground control because I'm a space person but it's not ground control (laughs) but this is the real communication TSA put this up on YouTube we'll post it it's about four minutes and 46 seconds. I want to warn you that there is frank talk of death in this. And if you feel you'd be uncomfortable listening to this, it's a really dramatic and um, could be triggering video. You have to skip forward from now four minutes and 46 seconds. If you would like to skip this, you can skip it now four minutes and 46 seconds. But we're going to play that whole video and let us listen to the audio compilation of 
of what went down on September 11th, 2001. Are you trying to call? The cops is not answering their phone. Our number one has been staffed and our five has been staffed. Hey, I'm going to call from Washington. I am in a situation where the man has learned a possible hijack. What's going on, Benny? The crap is erratic again. Because you gotta help each other get off the floor. I'm now, die. No. 
So, one of the things that I find that is most amazing is the people calling their family. Every single person calls them and just talks about how much they love their family. They're like, I love you so much. And, and when I listen to some of the people are so calm. You know, they're like, this plane has been hijacked. I just need you to know that I love you. Yeah. And in that is, uh, the, those are the most tragic calls, like the most amazingly tragic calls they're like i just need you to tell everybody that i love them that is the last thing that they wanted everybody to know is all these people (laughs) that really gets me every time i think so there's another story that i wanted to share with you and it is brought to us by this amazing organization and it's called the story corps and it's spelled c-o-r-p-s corp (laughs) and They have a September 11th initiative, and it was launched in 2005 in partnership with um, National September 11th Memorial and Museum, and they want to record one story to honor each of the lives lost during the attacks on September 11th, 2001, and also on the February 26th, 1993 World Trade Center bombing. So there are so many stories. What they do is they, they interview these people who lost somebody, and they get a story from them. And they will make the most beautiful little animated videos. And I'm going to post this as well. We're going to get to listen to the audio of it. And the the videos are absolutely outstanding as well. I highly recommend you go look at StoryCorps' page. It is, I mean, do it when you have some emotional bandwidth. But this is a a story. And it was hard to pick just one, by the way. Um, and I was turned on to StoryCorps listening to Glenn Beck. And I found their page. And I was like, wow. This is um, unreal. So this is one story. This is from, according to the website, this is the description of the video we're about to play. This is when Richie Pecorella met Karen Jude. She captured his heart and she changed his life. They were engaged in living together in Brooklyn when Karen was killed on September 11, 2001, during the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center, where she worked as an administrative assistant for Cantor Fitzgerald. In this video, Richie remembers Karen, his love and his inspiration. I knew as soon as I looked at her that uh, she was the one. It was uh, magical. I can't describe it. I couldn't tell her that, but I was like a 15-year-old again. I got all Google-eyed and didn't know what to do or say, and stumbling wasn't like me at all. Wasn't the typical macho Italian guy from Brooklyn. <laughs> when I met Karen, somehow she relaxed me. She just taught me patience. I had very little patience. Basically, I was you know, one of those guys rolled down the window and screamed at the drivers when they weren't driving the way I thought they should be. And she toned me down. She showed me to, to be nicer to people, give it a second thought before you start yelling. And, and I've carried that with me. Other than her going to work, there wasn't a time we weren't together. Every morning, Karen would drive with me to my office, and then she'd take the subway from my office one stop to the Trade Center. I worked in Brooklyn, so my window across the East River, I could see the, the Twin Towers. So I'm doing some work, and one of my workers comes in and says, Richie, uh, I just heard that the Trade Center got hit with a plane. I turn around, and I see the building burning. And I took my office chair, and I threw it at my window. So they brought the nurse up. She gives me a bottle of water. I have the bottle of water, and it's it's in my hand, and my hand is trembling so much that it's splashing all over me. I couldn't even hold the bottle in my hand. 
I miss her eyes. Her eyes sparkled to me. One day they were blue, next day they were green, depending on how the light hit them. Karen, I'll always be in love with you, and I will see you again. I will do enough good to make it up there. Yeah, so that that'll get you for sure. If you um, we should have brought tissues for this. Um, but if yeah, for sure. If you want to hear more of these stories, which are really beautiful, just like that. I mean, listen. At the end, I'm going to do enough good to make it up there. Wow, that is awesome. <laughs> so, two thousand nine hundred and ninety-seven people died on 9-11 in 2001 they were cops and firefighters and volunteers and they were parents and children and wives and husbands and brothers and sisters and friends many were afraid many were brave and many were full of fear and many were full of love and maybe it was just for a day or for a week but for a split second in america we came together to grieve because those people died for no other reason than that they were American. It didn't matter what race they were, what religion they practiced, who they loved, why they loved them. They were targeted exclusively for being Americans. And the question is, why? Because it was senseless and it was evil violence. And we all know that. But we were targeted and they were targeted. Those 2,997 people were targeted because of the things that our nation stands for. These terrorists, they symbolically attacked our economic prosperity at the World Trade Center, our incredible defense at the Pentagon, and they likely wanted to take down the symbol of free government at the Capitol. But in one of the greatest, most symbolic moves yet, they took down the Trade Center, the symbol of economy. They took down the Pentagon, the symbol of defense, but the American people did not allow them to take down the symbol of freedom at the U.S. Capitol. they could not take that down and it was because of our people refusing to let them on flight 93 it was because americans refused to let them and i think that i think we're going to need a lot more of that today because 20 years later after 9-11 and we've had this horrific pullout from afghanistan and i don't have to tell you that you know that regardless of where you get your news you know it's been terrible we're at, at the point, I saw this tweet from a professor at Syracuse University, and I'm going to read this tweet, and it might make you mad, it made me mad, and it said, quote, this is a professor at Syracuse University, we have to be more honest about what 9-11 was and what it wasn't. It was an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalist systems that America relies upon to wrangle other countries into passivity. It was an attack on the systems many white Americans fight to protect. I don't yeah that's unreal I know I don't know if that tweet is still up or not she has a private twitter now I don't know if she's always had a private twitter I, I, I don't follow professors from Syracuse University typically but we have a few options when we see tweets like that and attitudes like that the first option is to get mad which I get I really do and maybe it's a little bit of both <laughs> but uh, after you get mad or instead of getting mad we also have the opportunity to realize the option to realize that we are entering into the post 9-11 generation of people who weren't there. And the stories will be all that we have to counter narratives like that professor is putting out there because those narratives are going to keep coming. 
There is a push to teach Americans how terrible we are, to tell our kids that we've never been great and we've never been good. But the fact is that the reason we were attacked on 9-11 was specifically because we were great and because we are good. And terrorists, they hate that about us. They hate our equality and our democracy and our freedom of religion and our equal justice. And they hate, hate, hate how well it has gone for us. These are the reasons that we were attacked, and these are the reasons that the Taliban in Afghanistan, who we have just armed, still hates us. You know, our government recently has been looking more and more like a paper tiger, like Osama bin Laden called us before 9-11. But the American people, they have not. They have not looked like that. So don't just get mad. Remember. And tell your kids and tell your friends and tell them that America was attacked on September 11th and then tell them why and tell them what the American people did. I wanted to to close out today with a moment of silence to honor the people, our people, that died. On September 11th, 2001, their lives matter, and they died representing all of us. So we're going to take just truly a moment of silence. I would really like for you to take this with me wherever you are to honor, reflect, pray about these people. Okay. Thank you, everybody. And remember, (laughs) treat everyone with kindness and never trade what looks right for what is right. everybody thank you so much for joining us this week we are so glad that you were here and as you go into tomorrow we just ask that you continue to remember those who were so brave on uh, september 11th we ask you to continue to honor those by sharing what happened on 9-11 and pray for our country as always, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Something Burger Podcast and on Twitter at S Burger Podcast. If you have any questions, you can reach out at somethingburgerpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast and drop us a review. Five stars. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.